With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. I have every right in this land to speak up. I have every right to be angry. I have every right to shout if I want to shout. So just because to, I'm fed up with this. Can I ask you one more question? But you say someone grabbed your arm for talking. What the happened? The policeman grabbed my arm because he wanted to take me over there so nobody could hear me saying what I wanted to say. I didn't attach the policeman. I didn't come to him, but I got grabbed anyway. Yeah. No, for, first, for a person to have an argument, you must have an argument with somebody else. Yeah. But I was the one that was grabbed. Why? Because I'm loud. Because I speak my mind, and because I'm black. Keep speaking your mind, man. Keep speaking they ain't mind. lying. I ain't got nothing against white people. I got white people around me all the time, so it don't make no difference to me. I'm talking about fairness. This lady here could be quite fair, me and her could be friends forever. Just because she's white doesn't mean I'm a gangster. What I'm, a, what I'm against is, a, is, a, is a, the system that we live in. Well, the partner of the man whose death triggered the weekend's riots has told Channel 4 News that the protests against his death have got out of control. In her first television interview, Simone Wilson denied that Mark Duggan was a gangster and criticized the police for their lack of communication with his family after he died. But she said the riots of the last three days have nothing to do with the initial protest march in Tottenham on Saturday. Our Home Affairs correspondent Simon Israel reports. Simone Wilson is still in shock, still struggling to pick up the pieces, still trying to get answers. Mark Duggan was her partner and was the man police shot dead in Tottenham last Thursday night. The demonstration that followed wanted answers. The riots that followed wanted something else. There's a lot of angry people out there. People that don't even know Mark are angry at the way it was dealt with. Who do you hold responsible? Please. Definitely, please. My children don't know. Mark's children don't know 
that he's gone. We can't tell them yet because they're going to be asking questions that don't have to answer to it. In Tottenham, the communities are awash with rumour. Thursday night's official version was dug and opened fire, the police shot back, and these pictures show the aftermath. CPR couldn't change anything. Then there were reports of only two bullets being fired, and the one that lodged in a police radio may be police issue. More rumours. If he had the gun in his hand, why didn't they shoot him in his hand to disarm him? Why did he get a shot to his chest? They tell me they can't answer that question. They don't know. That's all I'm getting. They don't know. The vacuum of uncertainty prompted the demonstration. They wanted answers. Tottenham police didn't have them. Worse still, they waited in hope. They were told the police commissioner was on his way, but he never arrived. I know Mark. Mark is not going to do that. 100%. 100%. Mark is the kind of person, if he did have a gun, which I don't know, if he did, Mark would run. Mark is a runner. He would run rather than firing. And that's coming from the bottom of my heart. I know. I know. Did you know he had a gun? No. No. So that was a surprise to you? That was a surprise. Mark, they're, they're portraying Mark to be a gangster. Mark is not a gangster. He's not known to any gangsters or any gangs. He's not like that. Today, the Independent Police Complaints Commission promised that the results of ballistic tests will be known in the next 24 hours. But Channel 4 News has learned that the bullet that killed Mark Duggan and the bullet that lodged in an officer's radio were both fired by police. Some community leaders in Tottenham are adamant the riots were not the first police operation that went pear-shaped and where the potential consequences were only barely thought through. The expectation, I think, of the local community was that senior people would be on hand to provide comfort, policing, but also answers to families like the Duggan family. And they weren't. And they were either at the yard or they were on holiday. Uh, that's what I'm told. And that is unacceptable, given that, obviously, um, um, the public expectation is that people recognise the importance of this situation once it had happened on Thursday. It's got out of hand, but it's gone way past. It's not connected to this anymore. I don't think it's got nothing to do with the march. This is out of control. It's out of control. Innocent people are getting hurt. Children. I've got no homes. It's just not needed at all. And now it's even further out of hand, with another night ahead of disturbances verging on riots. But what's emerging about what triggered all of this last week offers little comfort. If it turns out there was no gunfight, in direct contradiction of the official version context of white supremacy gusty renegade and for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date sunday august 21st 2016 so i have been told this is our global sunday talk on racism monthly installment uh folks have uh, commentary questions 
they would like to ask or observations, what have you, feel free to uh, chime in. The number to dial 641-715-3640. The code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you would like to participate. Uh, the audio segment you heard at the beginning of the program uh, that was from five years ago uh, some of the audio interviews what have you uh, dealing with the uh, unrest in London after the shooting of Mark Duggan you heard from uh, the mother of his children his partner uh, you also heard some of the different interviews where they were talking to folks um, really uh, significant moment uh, they were doing some anniversary uh, reports uh, over the past couple of weeks uh, as I stated yesterday uh, in my view that is one of our uh, signature uh, events that we covered here the context of white supremacy we had a lot of different guests uh, on the program black people from the UK uh, during that period I know we had Paul Ifaomi Grant visited with us uh, Leo Muhammad um, Dr. William Les Henry uh, just an array of folks. This is more, it was a lot more people even than what I'm mentioning now uh, who visited with us over that month uh, of August 2011 uh, just to kind of give us information uh, from ground zero. You can go back in the archives and, and hear some of that footage. Uh, but really, uh, in my view, if you understand racism, white supremacy, and you look at the way that it, entire episode was talked about, uh, you will see the anti-blackness, the white supremacy, uh, in fact, I think I can play one little snippet. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but this one little segment I will not forget anytime soon uh, tells you about as much as you need to know about the coverage and everything around the event, the, the death of Mark Duggan, the shooting of Mark Duggan, uh, and then the, the subsequent unrest that followed for about the next week, 10 days or so in the UK. Uh, this is... Uh, a segment that was played on the BBC repeatedly. The only reason that I got it the first time it played, I was upset because I was, I think I stayed up all night to watch the, the coverage of this uh, once things uh, kicked off. And then as it continued, I just continued to pay attention and try to learn as much as I could. But uh, the first time I heard this, the snippet that you're about to hear, I was not recording. I was just watching the coverage and I was mad that I didn't you know, have a recording. And they looped it and played it again. In fact, they played it several times. Uh, so if I had missed it even twice, I would have been able to get it. But this, uh, I'm just going to play a quick snippet. It's by 30 seconds, and then we'll, we'll get to some of the folks who dialed in. This is a segment that aired on the BBC uh, within the first five days after Mark Duggan was killed and the uh, unrest in the U.K. I'm ashamed to be a black guy. I'm ashamed to be a black the mobs were feral. Feral rats. I saw, a, you know, an image of a boy, you know, a black boy making a white boy strip in the street. To me, those things are reprehensible. And those people should have more than the book thrown at them. His prophecy was absolutely right. I'm ashamed to be a black guy seeing a lot of young other black, black people causing this trouble and bringing our names down. The segment that you heard just right there, uh, I'm ashamed to be a black guy 
having all of these people out riding, causing trouble, making us look bad. Uh, just, <laughs> I can't say incredible because in the system of white supremacy, you shouldn't be surprised. But that stunning moment, uh, stunning moment of all of that, uh, again, there were more whites. This is one of the themes I said repeatedly the entire time everything was happening. Uh, it's uncontested. There were way more whites out rioting and acting a fool, looting, whatever you want to call it, in response to all of this. Way more. That is uncontested uh, evidence. All you have to do is go back and look at the video or pictures, anything that happened during all of this. I never heard one interview, one report of any white person saying, oh, my Lord, I'm ashamed. This is disgraceful. All of these whites out rioting and acting a fool uh, in the streets never heard anything even close to resembling that. And then I think they had the other uh, moment that was connected to that where they had uh, this white historian on the BBC saying that, yes, the whites were acting like savages, but they were acting like black people. Historic moment. Uh, as this is our global uh, conversation, I'm going to double check to make sure I did not miss any of our uh, listeners uh, that we have in. Some of the folks, uh, I was not able to nab them at the beginning of the program, so I'm just going to take a quick 20 seconds to, to see if we have them. Okay, just taking a quick, uh, quick couple seconds to... Uh, Make sure I did not miss anybody. I know we have uh, Lorraine with us. Uh, Lorraine, you uh, one of our listeners in the UK. You're with us, ma'am. Yes, I am. Outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, while uh, double while checking. I'm double checking to see some of our other folks that I bring in. You are in the UK. You are in the what UK. Are your, what are your memories from? Memories from everything that unfolded in 2011 after Mark Duggan was killed. Gosh, um, my memories basically was um, the way how, I don't know, it was it was very split, the way how people had viewed the whole thing. There were people that thought that it was about time that um, something was done, but it's not necessarily the way that they would have done it, but they were glad that something was done because the police, they were constantly, constantly, constantly getting away with um, stop and search and, you know, incidents of people dying in custody. So um, my memory was really of people saying that finally someone's going to hear about how many people were dying within that um, situation. Um, I remember the riots. I remember the television just completely saturated with the riots. Um, I remember walking through the town centre and seeing how the the riots had affected the area. And to be honest, I was absolutely surprised to know that there were very few black people involved in that. The way how it was presented through the media, it appeared as though there was a lot more black people involved in it than there actually were. Um, I don't know, it just... Just as, as you would expect it to be, you know, the way how they put it forward, just as you would expect it to be, you know. Hmm. The uh, David Starkey, I remember that he, he said uh, the uh, whites that are out doing all this, uh, they're black. This is a famous historian, uh, white historian uh, in the UK, David Stark, where he invoked uh, the legacy of Enoch Powell, uh, this white man in the 1960s who uh, said that there are going to be rivers of blood. That's the name of his speech, infamous rivers of blood and 
Uh, this mm. is going to be terrible, having all of these black people coming over from the Caribbean and other places where whites have terrorized and, quote-unquote, colonized, that this is going to be awful and we need to stop all this immigration, uh, some of the same type of rhetoric that you're hearing now around Brexit and everything else. But, um, yeah, that everything that you just laid out, uh, I heard a lot of that. What, what kind of do you remember as being the fallout, I guess, in terms, because I think that was some of the things that people were talking about. They felt that... Um, it could have some of this could even have been uh, agent provocateurs uh, because this was right around the same time that you were having the Occupy Wall Street and that kind of spread to other areas of the world, not just in the states. And they felt that this could have been uh, some racist shenanigans to go out and do this and then blame black people. And then you can act really tough laws and, and other types of things to punish black people, non-white people in the UK as a result of this. Do you remember what happened subsequently uh, in the months, years after everything that went down in August 2011? I think that people started to become aware of the fact that the chances were that it was a setup. I think that people are now more aware that anytime there's anything that, um, you know, like a, a protest or um, anything of that nature, that the chances are that it's, it's a setup you know, here and abroad, in America as well. Nobody trusts anymore. I don't think people are quite as easily fooled as they were before, you know. We heard the stories about agents. We've heard stories where, you know, um, you, like, for example, we was listening to something on the YouTube, a friend, me and a friend of mine, and um, there was a report where, one of the, um, one of the um, presenters said, oh, acting, he used the word acting, the, the people acting, he slipped up. And they kept him rewinding it to show that it was an act. There was also reports where people have shown agents that have got the same shoes on, they've got stamps on the bottom of the shoes that the agents wear, and these people are the ones that start the riots and stuff. So people are more aware of that fact. And a lot of people realise that it did start off about somebody and then it ended up being about something else and they feel upset about the fact that that's what happened it no longer became about mark it became about something else you know i don't know if i'm answering the question correctly oh for sure for sure absolutely and that i think for people particularly people in the united states uh where this same sort of thing has been occurring over the last few years uh, i think those same type of concerns where there is legitimate anger about even if you want to go all the way back to uh, 1992 uh, with Rodney King and the verdict and everything that happened in L.A., uh, but the same type of thing where there is legitimate anger about the terrorism that black people experience under the system of white supremacy, but racists, they are so conniving and so well organized that they can easily divert from that legitimate frustration uh, and do whatever they want to just, you know, make this something that's, that's totally unrelated uh, and can be a pretense for if they want to change laws, if they want to use enforcement officials to be even more brutal against black citizens, that it's easy for them to create that sort of uh, situation. Um, I know I'm still hoping uh, that we can get Mark Duggan's uh, partner uh, on the program to kind of get her perspective. It would be great to hear from her five years later. I know they were doing some Black Lives Matter marching and, and what have you uh, with the five-year anniversary. Have you seen anything uh, just within the past few weeks or so in terms of, of recognition for what happened, talking about anything? Have you seen any of those type of events? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, I haven't really been doing much research, I must say, um, over the past few weeks on the Internet. And, you know, I'm not really sort of into the television, so... I haven't really been connected 
over the past few weeks. Right on. I yeah. probably wouldn't. Oh, I'm no, I'm say I wouldn't be the best person to ask in that regard. I do need to sort of, my friend keeps telling me I need to really catch up more on, on what's going on on the internet. Right on, right on. Just real quick, did did you uh, hear that segment where on the BBC where they had the black male saying that he was ashamed to be uh, a black guy uh, with black people out doing all this? Did you hear that at that time, or was that the first time that you've heard that that bit of audio? That's the th- that's the first time I've heard it. Wow! But I'm not surprised to hear it. Really, to be honest, I just feel. That because we don't have any opportunity to gather and because we're not spending time in each other's company, we're not able to share that wisdom. We're not able to share that knowledge. There are some of us that actually, you know, seek for ourselves. But there's a large number of people who just believe what they see on the news. It's not helpful. So we're not having that time together, you know, which is a shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just uh, I wanted to ask you about Dr. Sebi because you had messaged me about his passing uh, just a few few days back, actually, uh, to just, you know, give time to uh, speak to that as well. But um, I wanted to make sure I emphasized we talked about this uh, regularly back in 2011. when We covered all this, but the uh, 16 or I'm not sure if she was 16, but I know she was a teenager uh, as a black female. The Mark Duggan was shot and killed on Thursday. I think that was August 4th, 2011. Saturday, Mm -hmm. August 6th, they had a group of people, uh, Mark Duggan's family and uh, just people that were concerned, you know, upset about what happened. They went to the police station to get more information about the shooting. They did not get any information, as you heard in the audio I played at the beginning of the program. And a black teenage, a a black female teenager was shoved uh, by enforcement officials. That was a key moment. I think that kind of gets pushed to the side, overlooked frequently. I know a lot of the black guests that we had on back in 2011, that was a point that they brought up repeatedly. Uh, and I think that's important as well in remembering uh, everything that went down in London. Um, as I said, you had messaged me about Dr. Sebi a few weeks ago. I think folks know he transitioned uh, all of his efforts, uh, immense time and energy uh, that he put into trying to do as much as he could to heal black people, naturally get away from uh, a lot of the quote-unquote Western medicine that uh, is really just poisoning and, and nothing to help uh, and uh, replenish the health of black people. Uh, just any thoughts you wanted to share on the passing of Dr. Sebi? Highly suspicious, highly suspicious. I understand that he had been arrested um, and accused of money laundering. Um, I think he had the sum of something like 37,000, I'm not sure if it was dollars, I think it was dollars in his suitcase. They wanted to know what that money was there for and they had him arrested, they had him in the cells. They arrested him again and whilst he was incarcerated, or when they had him you know, in the prison, that he ended up, um, having pneumonia or something like that. But it's just highly suspicious, extremely highly suspicious. Hmm. Is that something people have been talking about in your part of the world, the passing of Dr. Sebi? Yeah, I mean, um, the people in my circles, they have. Um, I heard that the, another person died as well, someone by the name of Abdul, I think it's Abdul Mohammed as well. I think he died... I can't remember his name. I think it's Abdul Mohammed. Hmm. I'll have to check that one. Okay. He died recently as well, over the last two days. 
and he was also the same, you know, holistic dentist. I think he was. Wow, I think. Mysterious circumstances. I know I stated uh, we were talking about there was a black female doctor in the United States uh, this week. She was writing and we were talking about workplace racism and uh, just a point I reiterated uh, that I think Dr. Sebi as well as Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, uh, even some of the other guests that we've had on the program, even if you make an effort uh, to open a private practice, open some sort of business to try to help black people uh, with regards to health and a clinic of some sort similar to what the Black Panthers were doing, uh, whites will make it very difficult on you. In fact, even remembering the legacy of the Black Panthers, they were trying to do the exact same thing in terms of opening clinics to help black people uh, get screening and what have you and just doing things that they could to try to improve the health uh, and get health care for black people. Uh, when we had Alondra Nelson on the program, that's what her whole book is about, that that's one of the key things that the Black Panther Party was doing here in the States that routinely gets ignored overlooked that that sort of thing probably made racists much more angry uh, and looking to destroy their efforts as opposed to just I think the the kind of superficial analysis where people just think of them and black leather jackets berets and guns uh, those type of programs getting clinics uh, the food programs and that sort of thing uh, that they were doing even uh, Matulu Shakur in his efforts at getting black people off of drugs uh, and a lot of the, the successful things that he was doing, same thing, trying to appeal, trying to replenish the health of black people, him being in greater confinement uh, and them doing everything that they could to shut down his efforts. That is a consistent worldwide pattern, it seems, uh, against black people. Um, I'm going to double check. I know we have callers and just try to add more people in. Uh, as we roll, get some of your thoughts on the Olympics. Certainly, I thought it would be interesting to hear from some of our folks outside the States uh, with regards to the Olympics since they were just in London in 2012. Uh, again, the number, if folks are interested in participating, 641-715-3640. And the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6 if you have questions observations, comments you would like to uh, share as we roll along. Uh, our caller, I think this is Thomas in New York, and then the caller at 4950. Did I, either of y'all have questions, uh, comments you want to make sure you got in? Um, no, Gus. I really didn't have any questions thus far. I was just um, listening. Thank you. For sure, for sure. Uh, caller at 4950, did you have questions, observations you wanted to get in? Uh, yeah, could you come back to me? Oh, yes, sir. No problem. No problem. I need uh, the... Let's see. We'll give him a few minutes. We'll circle back around and see if he has any thoughts. Uh, while they are, are waiting, as I said, I did want to check in on, on the uh, Olympics. Not necessarily if you've been following, you know, the gold medal count or any of that, but just any any thoughts or observations around what has taken place with the uh, Rio Olympics 2016, Lorraine? I haven't been following the Olympics. It's just one of those things that I'm definitely not into. The Roman games, it's just not me. Bravo. Bravo. 
<laughs> yeah, take the same position. I think one of our listeners on the program last night said they just did not see how, uh, regardless of how well any of the black athletes did, uh, that that's not doing anything to improve things for uh, black people, them getting a gold medal or lots of gold medals, even that that's not doing anything to uh, improve our quality of life or solve any of our problems. Uh, as it relates to racism, white supremacy. Uh, in fact, I would even say the, the opposite seems to be the pattern uh, that in 2012, uh, I remember I had the report, uh, I played on the program, we talked about it with some of our guests from London at the time, uh, that a large number of black people in London were displaced uh, from their residence uh, for the Olympic Games when it was in London in 2012. Uh, there was an entire uh, apartment building where they cleared out lots of the floors uh, for the BBC reporters so that they could be there and have easy access to go cover the games and what have you. And these black residents, they couldn't even get access uh, to their residents. Uh, and the exact same thing, it seems like it happened on a much wider scale uh, in Rio with the displacement uh, of black people to make room for the amusements uh, of whites. Uh, at least uh, the few contests, what have you, where I've seen where they've done like shots of the crowd and what have you. Uh, we're talking, and I think this is a point that's been emphasized on this program consistently. In the Western Hemisphere, Brazil has the highest population of black people, highly melanated people in the Western Hemisphere. That is not reflected when you see any images of the crowds and who is participating uh, in terms of spectators at these Olympics, that is not reflected at all. Uh, you see people with their uh, USA flags or wherever they happen to be from the world. These look like folks who would be classified as white. They do not look like black people uh, at all that are there. I don't care what's going down, whether it's Usain Bolt or uh, Simone Biles or any of the other folks that they've been cheering about and talking about over this whole uh, this whole time. Did you happen to see anything what happened with uh, the U.S. swimmer Ryan Lochte that's gotten a lot of attention? Did that did that did you catch that at all, or, or did that not make the radar over in the U.K.? Not to me. It may well have done, but as far as I'm concerned, no. Oh, I haven't okay. watched any of it. Outstanding, yeah. outstanding. This was the uh, so I'm sure folks in the U.S. because they've been talking about this uh, around the clock. This uh, suspected racist uh, white guy. He uh, is a swimmer uh, for the U.S. Uh, he and I think it was three other white guys, they were out this past week partying and doing whatever it is, uh, being drunk real, 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 real late. And uh, they made up this uh, lie that they had been robbed at gunpoint and that this guy had put a gun to his head and robbed them, took their money and all this. And then uh, they actually had video footage of this encounter and... Uh, all these questions started to come up about maybe they lied, they were not reporting this accurately, and this came a huge to-do. They've been talking about this a lot uh, in the States, even other parts of the world, obviously, because there's so much global attention uh, on the Olympics. But that has become a big to-do over the last few days. If anything, standard operating procedure, I was going to say this on the program last night, uh, Catherine Russell Brown, she's a black female professor. She has a book called The Racial Hoax, uh, where she documents that this sort of thing uh, when racists come out, it's, oh, I was raped, oh, I was robbed, oh, you know, whatever, whatever the story is. If folks uh, remember Charles Stewart uh, in Boston where he said he was robbed, some black guy came and robbed him and shot and killed his pregnant wife. And then it came out months later that he did this uh, as some sort of insurance mm -hmm. scam. This is widespread in the system of white supremacy. And you can check out that book, uh, Racial Hoax, these sort of incidents. Uh, I just, it is a constant thing. I even remember it. Uh, Louisiana State University uh, with the flooding and everything right now 
definitely recognize that. But Louisiana State University, they had an incident just within the last couple of years uh, where a white female student uh, alleged that she had been uh, kidnapped uh, by some black person in a van and they had this big to do and campus alerts and then found out that she lied about that, too. So, I mean, constant, constant within the system of, of racism, white supremacy. Um, Let's see, the person, oh, this is a retired firefighter. I don't, I'm just checking in to make sure I'm not missing if folks have uh, questions or observations that they would like to share. Uh, retired firefighter, are you just listening, or did you have a question, observation you wanted to share, sir? I have a uh, longstanding observation that I would like the, uh, the uh, non-white black people in the place of that's called Europe to uh, get their take on. Uh, I have studied uh, the Olympics, what is called the quote-unquote modern-day uh, version of the Olympics that started in 1896, I believe. Uh, as the years progressed, progressed on and on, uh, uh, I've noticed recently a lot of not a lot, but, but a uh, significant amount of non-white black people from uh, places uh, on the earth that are called, uh, well, the, 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 the participants originally come from these areas that are called, quote-unquote, third world, and they would come to places like England uh, and uh, the Netherlands, uh, some other countries, uh, basically uh, from the standpoint uh, to participate uh, and perhaps make uh, an income uh, 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 by going to uh, the places that has uh, income. Uh, also, uh, the areas on the earth where non-white black people are living, such as Kenya, uh, they actually started uh, participating as uh, being able being able to participate in the Olympics as they, uh, at the same time, politically uh, and through uh, warfare, they were able to uh, uh, get the uh, racist white man and woman basically out of out of their areas physically. Anyway, uh, uh, did that sound did that sound correct as far from a historical standpoint? Uh, to me, it does. I, I think Lorraine, if she wants to comment, we can give her time as well. But. Uh, to me, it does. I know <clears throat> I haven't been able to uh, sit down and watch it again. I certainly would not encourage. I, I absolutely endorse uh, Lorraine's stance in terms of it's, it's not even worth our time and energy with all the problems that we have to sit down and consume the amusements of whites. But I know uh, in my experience of seeing the Olympics this year and previously the times that I have seen it uh, where I've seen countries that are not known for having huge populations of black people, uh, Great Britain, for example, or uh, Italy or Germany. I don't think these areas of the world are known for having huge populations of black people. To me, it is always uh, profound when you see their basketball team or uh, their track team or, you know, some of their other competitors and they have these folks with all this melanin. It's like, well, wait a minute, where did where did you get all these dark people from? Uh, I think I, I have noted that consistently uh, down through the years and exactly that we, you know, in the system of racism, white supremacy, where you've had whites who have uh, made a big to do about we don't want these dark folks here anyway. 
And then, as you stated, causing instability, whether it's war or violence or poverty or whatever the case may be in the areas where these black people are from. And then they logically they want to go to an area where they can get a better quality of life, maybe get a job or whatever the case may be, better chance for themselves. So they come to these areas and, oh, we can use these folks. We can put them on our team so we can, you know, be more competitive. We can beat the U.S. because they have all these melanated folks. We can be more competitive and maybe win a few games or so. I I see the exact logic in that. It's not that I have a a complaint or criticism of any of the black people that or non-white people that are doing this sort of thing, but I absolutely see that playing out and how, uh, how these uh, sporting events operate, not just this year, but historically. I, I agree uh, as far as a general, in general, it's, it's severely of a waste of time and energy other than the, uh, the athletes uh, that can, uh, for a brief period of time in their athletic proudness, make, a, uh, make, some, make some money. Uh, also, uh, because I, I have been cultured, for the most part, all of my life into uh, uh, sports in general, uh, although I didn't participate necessarily in track and field, but just just to give uh, some uh, racist uh, stereotypes that used to go on, that that was kind of like uh, 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 revealed as a lie. Uh, the whole idea that non-white black people uh, could not uh, run uh competitive competitively uh races uh that were longer than a quarter mile and now you see almost all of the distance races uh including the marathon i don't i don't know what was the results of the marathon uh recently uh but i do know as far as the significant history of distance races from i would say the late 50s to early 60s there was there was an olympic games in 1960 in rome uh, from that point in time up to present, and anything beyond 400 meters, just about non-white black people have dominated, male and female, have dominated places like Ethiopia, uh, Kenya, uh, 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 the Sudan, uh, you know, places, you know, in the... Uh, in the, uh, the, the continent of Africa, uh, they basically dominate uh, uh, these. Uh, and at the same time, my point is to make it relevant to our conversation. At the same time, you, you were seeing non-white black people basically through, through uh, counter-violence as well as uh, uh, through political uh, political uh, activity uh, to uh, be more aware of the system of racism, white supremacy, and how it works in their area. You started seeing that at the same time as, as you started seeing these athletes uh, uh, show the world on these racist stereotypes. That, that's just my observation. Thank you. For sure. For sure. Just one quick point I wanted to get in. Uh, we'll nab some of the other folks who dialed in also. But one quick point I did want to get in. Um, we played the audio clip yesterday on the compensatory call-in about uh, Dr. John Carlos, who was at the 68 Olympics, black male. He's the, the infamous uh, image of he and Tommy Smith doing the uh, what's recognized the black power salute, uh, where he was being interviewed and asked about whether or not black athletes uh, should be political should they protest against racism and within that interview 
they just kind of they didn't make a big to do about it, but they they were talking about how he and uh, Tommy Smith were mistreated as a result of doing this. They were mistreated at the games. I think they were kicked out of the Olympic Village uh, at that time in '68, and then they didn't normally. If you are an Olympic athlete and you win a medal, particularly if you win a gold, but if you win a medal, you do really well at the Olympics. You get all sorts of endorsements. You know, they put you on a cereal box or you're doing commercials or you can get, you know, a job at a university or a college and whatever your sport, if it's track and field and you can be a track and field coach or, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. It can be an avenue for you to make money. You can do speaking engagements and that sort of thing where you can make, you know, a good bit of money. You can dramatically improve your quality of life uh, if you perform well at the Olympics. That did not happen for Dr. John Carlos. It was really, really hard. He could not get uh, coaching jobs in track and field, even though he had won a goal or John Carlos won a bronze. Uh, At the Olympics, he could not do that. He did not get endorsements. He did not get commercials. Uh, It caused so much stress on his marriage, which happens routinely with black people. The pressure of racism, white supremacy does not allow us to have those successful families, flourishing marriages. His wife committed suicide. And they just kind of glossed over that in the report. But I, I did not know that bit of information. He does have a book out, Dr. John Carlos, where he goes more into uh, his thoughts on racism, his experiences. But uh, I was stunned when I heard that. Wanted to uh, make sure that was emphasized yesterday, but I can bring it up now since we are talking about the Olympics. And also the statement he made at the end of uh, that. Let's see. Okay, I think we are adding Andrew to the line as well, but good to hear from you, Andrew. Um, Hi, Yes, sir. Uh, Just finish up my point really quick, and then we'll include Andrew in the conversation as well as some of our other folks. But when Dr. John Carlos, towards the end of his interview, and he was saying that the they were saying that the the Olympics is not political, you know, it's just about the sports and the athletes and competition and all that. It's it's not political. And he was saying that that's nonsense. You know, the first as soon as somebody wins, the first thing they do is go grab their flag. Uh, and I mean, I mean, the everything about the Olympics is political. Uh, are you telling me it's uh, number one? Mr. Fuller would say, what do you mean when you say political? Start right there with the definition. Number two, are you telling me it's not political when they go through all the jousting about who is going to host the Olympics? I have seen all of that go down where they pull in. Uh, I remember Chicago. They were trying to get the, the Olympics this year to host in Chicago. And they pulled in uh, First Lady Michelle Obama and all these other folks to uh, to come out and, and list all the accolades and, and how great it would be and what advantages uh, would be for the athletes to have the games in Chicago and that sort of thing. Are you telling me that that's not Uh, political? Are you telling me it's not political when they play the national anthem? And particularly if we're going to act a fool, uh, I know Gabrielle Douglas, she got all the criticism because of how you're standing or if you're not saluting or if you're not smiling or if you're not enthusiastic while they are playing the national anthem and all that. I mean, it's total not even they make sanctions about who can participate uh, in the Olympics. I know they have done that before. If they don't agree with what a country is doing or not doing you might not even be allowed to participate in the game so in my view then just the entirety of it is folly for anyone to come out of their mouth and say that the olympics is not about politics this is just sports and you know good competition uh, amongst athletes that is uh, that is as much of a lie as ryan lochte uh down at the games and i'll pause there good to hear from you uh 
Andrew, uh, we were talking about the Olympics just now. Certainly, it'll be great to get your thoughts on that. But I did just want to ask, since you are in the U.K., I started the program. We were talking about the uh, London riots, as they are recognized in 2011. Just did you have any any reflections on what took place with the shooting of Mark Duggan back in 2011? And if you've seen anything around the five-year anniversary of his death and the rioting? Um, I've, I've not seen... I've, so, so I was late, by the way. It's just... Uh, I was just, uh, um, my uh, phone wasn't working, so I just had to just sort it out to chime in. I've not seen anything here at all um, in London um, around the anniversary, one way or the other. I've not, I've not seen anything in the, in the press. Um, and um, what's stranger still, though, is that I've not um, heard of any community um, uh, uh, commem- you know, uh, commem- commemorations about it or memorials. You know, that's the thing that we would normally do. Um, but I've not heard um, anything going on in Tottenham. I've not heard any of the, any of the you know, Pan-African groups in London um, uh, uh, doing any memorials for that. Um, I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't any, but I've not heard any of the... I wouldn't expect the national press, I wouldn't expect white people to do anything or say anything, really, because it doesn't serve their purpose. But, um, but, but what's strange is that I've not heard any of the groups um, uh, say or do anything. Um, that's, that, that's the bit that I want to find out about. Hmm. I know they had a march, or at least I've seen the photographs. They had a march uh, that was supposed to be in connection with, uh, I guess, members affiliated with Black Lives Matter uh, over in England, uh, where they had uh, Mark Duggan's mom, who is a white woman, uh, yeah. and they had... Uh, he did have a daughter, uh, Mark Duggan, uh, where they were out and they had signs up remembering him and connecting that yeah. with Black Lives Matter and all that. I know that went on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, a, uh, yeah, there was a Black Lives Matter march, um, you know. Here, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter. You know, they are active in in England, in London. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I know that that went. I don't know when that went on. Um, it, it's interesting because I wouldn't say that the Black Lives Matter campaign it's almost like they don't connect with what has been happening here before meaning you know with all with all of the other groups uh, mainly many african groups black you know pan-african groups that have been in london probably for i don't know since the 70s you know up until you know throughout the 80s 90s 2000s no they don't really you know they don't really connect with any of them to, to my knowledge you know it seems to be a bit of a separate sort of thing you know you know i'm not sure why that is but, um, but but that's you know but that's that's the sense that I get you know um, I, actually I do know why is is because you know um, there was a there was an African American woman on uh, on on TV here explaining giving her definition version I didn't get the name but giving her version definition of what they stood for and and I listened and um, you know everybody's got rights I, I totally agree with that but um, there's some things values that <laughs> that um particular groups in this country wouldn't be in favor for <laughs> let's put it like that and 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 so it seemed that uh, and and so their, their central core values as expressed by this person i wish i could remember the name it was a passing news broadcast so you know i wasn't even quick enough to tape it um yeah i mean the values that she was expressing possibly wouldn't be uh wouldn't tally with with some of the core values of some particular Pan-African groups in this country, which is, so, so from that standpoint, I can understand why um, why they may not connect. You know. 
What was the uh, what was the nature of the disconnect in terms of I guess? What well, 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 so for example, um, you know, um, and and I want to I want to stress, you know, I mean, I do think every, every you know, if you're a human being, I do think everyone's got rights, you know, um, uh, but you know, if you're you know, if you're going to tell, you know, if you're going to bang on about um, about um, feminist rights, if you're going to bang on about gay rights, if you're going to bang, bang on about LBGT, whatever that is, rights, whatever, if you're going to go on and on about that, right, then, then that's, you know, certain people are simply not going to listen, you know, because what, cause, you know, because, you know, what people here, you know, you know, what, you know, you know, there's particular Pan-African groups in England, right, and, and that is not their first concern. You know, the first concern is 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 basically freedom for uh, freedom from neocolonialism, freedom for for Africans worldwide, and and freedom meaning an end to white supremacy, effectively, right? Like that's the main central and self determination for African people. You know, uh, we, you know, there's this view that I believe in that we get sm- we get kicked in not because we're gay, we get kicked in because we're black. Right. And, and, you know, that's the thing. And um, and, um, and and so all that other stuff really is periphery is, is secondary. Right. And so and so if you know, if this but I, and, and so therefore I can understand if I, I can understand the disconnect, you know, because if someone's going to come on, if someone's going to go on TV from Black Lives Matter as an apparent spokeswoman and then bang on and on and on about all that sort of stuff. Right. That might play well to white liberals on TV because because it's almost like a um, it seems to me to be a bit of a um, uh, to be a bit of a, 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 a to dilute in the waters. What, what and white people like that? You know, you know, you know, they enjoy that, you know, that dilution. Do you know what I mean? But if they, you know, but you know, as long as you, as long as you don't get on and just talk straight about Black Lives Matter, then then it's great. And that's probably why she was there in the first. That's probably why they let her on in the first place. You know, so 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 so, so that's you know, so that's so, so that that I personally think that's what the disconnect is. Mm. I am not surprised. I have. Uh seen manifestations of that in other parts of the world whether it's it comes under using the term intersectionality uh but it's got to be some way of as you said diluting the conversation so that we're not focused on the problem is exactly racism white supremacy it's got to be oh man it's it's class and we got poverty in general and Mm. more white people and lgbt rights and gay rights and transgender rights and on and on and on and on and on. You just add all this other stuff to it. Uh, I've seen that exact sort of thing. And I think racists, I think they especially appreciate that because it does not add clarity. That's right. To exactly. Understanding that the major war on this planet by far is white terrorism, domination of black people. That's um, right. Uh, the person that dialed in last four digits, nine, four, zero, one, did you have, uh, either question, comment that you wanted to add in as well as we, uh, proceed with the conversation, nine, four, zero, one. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, ma'am. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, yeah, I was listening to the, uh, firefighter from Florida and, uh, you, I think you're talking about, uh, stereotyping black athletes and, uh, <laughs> I thought about Ellen DeGeneres. And, uh, <laughs> the gay she, uh, Rosa Parks. <laughs> yeah, how she photoshopped herself on Usain Bolt's back and set, tweeted out that racist comment. And, um, you know, how. So before, I think he was saying that they stereotyped him in terms of like they, they couldn't participate in that sport because they're black. And now they're being stereotyped as 
because they're black, that's where they're going to excel in, like sports, like running. And um, she, you know, she, she said a comment about, like, basically him, she's not going to, she's going to use him to, to do her errands. And it's like, <laughs> I don't see how people don't see that as being a racist. I was speaking to my mom about this yesterday, and she said, you know, she said, she doesn't know what they call it, but it's inappropriate. You know, she said she, 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 she can't use the word uh, uh, racist to, uh, to, de- to describe their, her commentary. Um, and I think, I think um, that's all I have for now. Thank you. Mm. I, I do agree. I think uh, they did have different news reports where I guess some people did see that accurately uh, in the way that you're articulating the way, in my view as well, that that was an act of white supremacy, racism. Uh, and I think particularly tying it to uh, black people are always seen stereotypically. One thing that black people are uh, unequivocally talented at is errands, help, cleaning, that sort of thing. <laughs> like no question, blacks are the undisputed gold medalists uh, at the help being the help for white people in particular. So absolutely, I, I think of that. I also think this is not the first time that there's been some sort of issue with Ellen DeGeneres uh, and making racist comments. I believe the World Cup just a few years ago, uh, she she didn't know where Ghana was on the map and she made some sort of racist comment uh, about Ghana. And it was the same type of thing where people saw it and raised the issue and she gave some sort of tacky apology and just kind of moved forward with things. I consistently cite uh, where victim of racism, Chris Rock labeled her as the gay Rosa Parks uh, and, and saying for all the work that she has done for uh, gay rights and LGBT issues uh, where that just made me nauseous. But this is just another incident. That's why I think it's always great if you can just kind of be aware of things that are happening, uh, then you can have a catalog so this does not become an isolated incident, whether we're talking about the white collective, racism on the whole, or even individual whites. Frequently, it will not be that they have just done one thing that should be looked at as an act of racism, white supremacy. Frequently, they will have a long rap sheet of having done quite a few things uh, that seem to be multiple acts of racism, white supremacy. Uh, excuse me, I guess I need to say one thing. I, I did bring that up. I did bring up that she said that in uh, 2014. And my mom replied was, oh, that points to her ignorance. <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say. Somehow, some way, it's all, they said the same thing about Ryan Lochte, that he was just ignorant, he was just a dumb kid, and he made it somehow, some way, it always gets chalked up to ignorance, uh, that white people are just ignorant, and we just get them a little more education. We get Ellen DeGeneres a, a geography class. She'll know a little bit more about uh, the different countries on the continent, and, and we'll stop doing these things. So that is fascinating, fascinating for the gay Rosa Parks. Uh, if other folks uh, had commentary, uh, they, they wanted to make sure they got sir? Yes, sir, Thomas in New York. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the gay Rosa Parks. I got um, Chris, Chris Lockby in from the show. <laughs> um, uh, I look at the Olympics like it's, it's racial showcasing. Um, it, it's very highly refined racial showcasing, and they use the black athletes to do it. Um, if you look at the countries who's winning the medal count, I think it's the U.S. They're up by probably double 
I believe um, by, they're followed by the U.K. and China and Japan gets thrown in there, but the rest is Germany and France and Russia. It's the most wealthiest countries, the whitest countries, minus the, the Asian countries, which is showcasing on their behalf. But um, even the athletes who win from places where you don't, they don't have a lot of wealth, you find out that they were trained in the U.S. or they go to school in the U.S. So it, they had, or they go to school in the U.K. or they, you know. So um, it's definitely a lot of showcasing. Um, I'm, I'm of the thought that blacks will excel at whatever we do if we're given the same opportunity and training as the whites. And um, it just shows every Olympics. And um, I, I just think that it's just the way they do their showcasing. Um, it's the white savior complex. You know, they wouldn't have been that good if they weren't, you know, here. Um, what I think that is even more compelling, um, I think uh, the firefighter brought up the, the uh, Gus, you brought up the way that they um, have to um, act on the national anthem. And I remember Chris Jackson. I don't know if you remember him. He was an NBA player. He changed his name to uh, Abdul Wahoo. Mahmoud abdul Um, I mean, this dude was awesome. I mean, in college, he averaged 30 points a game his freshman season, his sophomore season, his junior season. Even playing with Shaq in college, he averaged 30 points a game. Came into the NBA, had a great season, and that kind of, that stigma and the injury, they got used that to get him out the league. But um, just uh, the way they want you to act when this anthem is playing, and it definitely doesn't represent you. Um, I believe the second part of the National Anthem, they talk about slavery. Um, it, it's just, it just shows how whites work. Um, I'm sure it's the same way with the U.K. or whatever country the guests are in. They're expected to um, pledge allegiance to that flag and hold their hand over that heart. Like, that flag really represents them. And it's just the, it's just the way they play the game of racism, white supremacy worldwide. They use these out sports. And I don't see any difference between, like, the athlete who goes to, he might come from a part of Africa, which might um, be being exploited by a European country. They're taking all their resources, and he has the right to go to that European country to get education, and he ends up playing for that, that, um, that, that country, like Italy or whatever it might be. I find it more insulting when I see these colleges come to a, the black neighborhoods and pick up kids from a project or something and they know the condition that the, the whole, you know, area is in, but they'll go get that kid and take him halfway across the country and let him play a sport for free to make them a bunch of money. I find that more exploitative than that. I'll be my line. Absolutely. Same system. Uh, same system. Just the Olympics, a, a, a global manifestation of exactly what you see in terms of them coming in fleecing let's get some niggers on our team so we can be good at football or basketball or whatever track and field whatever the sport uh happens to be um see i'm double check i'm just going to give out the number really quick so that folks don't uh lollygag uh if you have questions that you would like to ask any of our international uh participants or if you have you know any other subjects that you want to make sure uh, we touch on the number again is 641-715-3640 the code is 564-943-POUND press star 6 if you would like 
to participate. Uh, I do see the other folks. I'm going to get our other two callers to dial in as well. I just did want to say with uh, the NBA players, when they were first allowed to play in uh, 92, when Michael Jordan was on the Olympic basketball team and all that, I think, I would have to go back and double check, but I think that was even talked about as an act of racism because at the time, the United States was the only country in the world that did not allow professional basketball players to play on the Olympic team. It was just the U.S. Everybody else had professional players uh, playing on their respective uh, basketball teams at the Olympics. I think that that people have talked about that and said that that specifically was an act of racism because, of course, all the other countries, their professional basketball players were not black. It was only the United States that would be sending over a large contingent of black people as their professional uh, athletes, what have you. But I'd have to go back and double check, uh, see if I can uh, nail down exactly where that was. Uh, the person that dialed in, uh, last four digits, uh, 2534, as well as the person at 0613. Uh, did either of you all have uh, questions you wanted to make sure you get in, observations, comments? May I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, good, um, good afternoon, Beth. Uh, how you doing today? Uh, good afternoon, all the callers and the listeners. Um, I was on before and I was, I was listening sparsely because it was, I kind of have a situation at my house. But um, I think I kind of heard something about, you know, uh, pretty much we're, we're, only, we're, we're good. We're not good unless we're performing for them. And I and it's, uh, the conversation. The topic was about basketball, and um, I, I kind of heard the uh, tired firefighter speaking on it, uh, Florida speaking about it, and uh, it, it just took me back to uh, uh, you know I'm from Florida. I played uh, played a little basketball around here for high school, middle school, and high school, and um, down in uh, from the originally from uh, Broward County area, and and it's a school. South Broward called uh, Cooper, uh, Cooper City High School. I'm not sure if it's still around, but uh, Cooper City um, it's in the Day B area, kind of South Broward, South Florida, and uh, it's 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 down here. It's populated. It's like a melting pot. It is a melting pot. You know, you have different nationalities, uh, a lot of mix mixture, but it's heavy. Uh, it, it's very heavy. Uh, melon, a lot of melon down here, so different shades. So um, in that area where Cooper, Cooper City is, it's, it's been it's like an area just for white, like strictly strictly white. And um, we had a joke, you know, pretty much all the teams that were playing in the uh, in the basketball league, they were all mixed, pretty much mixed, predominantly black. But you know, certain schools you have a you have a mixture. Well. <laughs> Cooper City, they always, they, they maybe have one black guy on the team every year. The team would be completely white. And for the most part, they would lose. They would lose, you know, they had some good teams, played a lot of uh, real good team ball. But, you know, I'm not, it is what it is. Uh, the, the athletic factor and, and some of those things, it just, it didn't happen for them, and when they needed it, you know, you could see them. They they were going to lose. So, um, you know, as as time and this was in the, in the you know early nineties, as time went on, I noticed maybe maybe about this 
six or seven years ago, I know that I was looking at the high school paper, looking at the uh, the stat line, the scores and stuff like that. And I just, I, I noticed a name that was on one of their teams. So I know it was a black guy. So I went, you know, and I went and looked at the roster and lo and behold, you know, they had maybe like, uh, you know, seven to eight, maybe nine black guys on the team. You know, more than, it was more than half. And I guess the roster only holds uh, 15 before regional, before division. So at that time, it was it was more than half uh, 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 non-white people on, on the team, non-white guys on the team. And I just... When you guys were saying, were, were speaking about that, even when you, what you were saying just now about uh, America sending over predominantly not in the '92 games, sending over our squads were predominantly uh, black. Maybe besides uh, John Stockton and Larry Bird, I think maybe another one. Um, but other than that, black. And I, it just speaks to we're we're not good for anything but entertainment. Uh, Amping up, you know, uh, <laughs> white terrorists, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but we're not good for anything unless it's promoting uh, white supremacy. And um, I just had that observation. Um, thank you for taking my call, Gus, and I'll be my way. For sure, for sure. Uh, the caller is 0613. Did you have uh, observation or questions you wanted to share as well? Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Okay, greetings, Gus, and the rest of the callers and the international callers on the line and listeners as well. Uh, Gus, I wanted to know, may I ask a question about uh, a television program to the international uh, callers? Proceed. Okay. Uh, to the international callers, I wanted to ask, uh, in the States today, uh, a program is going to be restarting, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, and it's pretty big over here and uh i don't usually watch tv and i was watching it today some of the older programs and uh gus actually held a program about it about the racism uh within the series it's just kind of like off the chain and i wanted to know is the series uh fear of the walking dead is that big uh outside of the states as well and that's all i have um, I, I've never seen it personally. I've never, I've never heard of it. So I, mm. I don't know if anyone else has heard of it. I, I've never, I've never heard of it. But then, to, to be honest, I, I only really watch a lot of factual TV. I don't, I don't, I don't watch uh, much else. To be honest. Thank you. I have heard of it. I don't think that um, I've heard anyone speak of it. I don't think that you know, people are really interested in that. To be honest, not to my knowledge, mm. anyway. Okay, thank you. Fascinating. That's the uh, Walking Dead franchise. They have now another spinoff of it with the, the Fear of the Walking Dead series as well. Um, I do think they have some, some zombie program in the, the UK. I haven't seen it, but I do think they have uh, some similar iteration uh, over there in that part of the world. Um, I did want to ask as well, uh, not necessarily if you all have seen the, any of the films with The Purge, uh, but just there was a question raised. The Purge is a series of films. It's uh, three different movies uh, where it's exclusively focused on the United States where they allow killing 
for a 12-hour period once per year, and this is supposed to be something that's great to tailor the population. It's supposed to be good to reduce crime and solve these other problems or what have you. Uh, but that's the theme of the movie, right? You have killing that's allowed for this 12-hour period once a year, and this is supposed to be you know, great for whatever reason. Anyway, um, it's exclusively in the U.S. where this happens, and we had a person, a, a listener, who said, do you think that they could have such a film in another part of the world? Meaning, do you think you could have a film that's exclusively in England where it's about, you know, in England to solve some of our problems, we need to have one day a year where killing is allowed, crime is allowed, and you can go out and kill as many uh, English citizens as you want for this 12-hour period, and this will be good to reduce crime or what have you. And it's, it's in the film, the racism is there. So the people, the violence is going to be predominantly geared towards getting black people. That's what you're going to see in the film. But do you think you could have a film like that in another part of the world? Do you think you could have a film like that in France or Germany that is, we need to kill German citizens. That's what we need to do. And it's going to be black German citizens, non, uh, non-white German citizens. Could you have a film like that in other parts of the world? To, uh, I guess, Lorraine or Andrew, do you think you could, uh, would you all, could you all respond to that question? Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't see why not. I've seen The Purge. I heard you talking about it, Gus. So um, I found it. I've I got this app called Playbox, and it shows free films. Um, you can just download it off the internet. And um, so, so yeah, I watched it on that. And um, it's, an, it's, an, it's an interesting movie. Um, yeah, you know, I've, uh, you know I, I, don't see why, I don't see why someone somewhere in some European country wouldn't make a film like that. Um, you know, but, I mean, this whole thing about, you know, I mean, I mean what, what I got from that film is... Um, you know, I mean, if that's if that film's going to be made in 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 Europe, right? Then you know, th- there's precedents set already for a film like that. You know, in this country, when our parents came here in England, in Brixton anyway, it, Brixton used to be run by skinheads, believe it or not, right? In the fifties, and Teddy Boys in not in Notting Hill, and in Brixton, and and then those white boys used to run around, um, basically beating up black men. That's what that's what they used to do. So in Notting Hill, right? Um, it was on TV in this country, right? Um, when there was black people, black men here in numbers, then the black guys basically just run them, beat them up, and, and threw them off the street, you know. And they were running battles in Notting Hill, you know. You know that's that's where the Notting Hill Carnival came from. It's the fact that basically black people, black men, pretty much beat the skinheads off off the street, and so and so the carnival itself is about. Really, just 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 uh, just stamping our right to be on the streets. That's pretty much why why you have the Notting Hill Carnival. Forget what it is today, because now the carnival today is a white event. That's what Notting Hill Carnival is today. But that's not what it was, you know. And the same in Brixton as well. So so you had white men running around, teddy boys and skinheads, just basically beating up black people because we weren't here in Brixton in numbers. But that, but that stopped after a while. So, so, so to me, watching that movie, just some, you know, different people, you know, white people, whatever, and and a few silly little black girls running around do, doing whatever, whatever to, to to some, you know, some people stuck in a in a in a store, right? I don't know. I don't quite understand that bit. If I don't, I don't know what that's what, what's going on there. Um, but you know, um, you know, f- f- from a, you know, you know, you know, if if the, if we're saying that the subtext is white people going around killing black people, white people coming from South Africa to legally kill black people in England, 
then oh, sorry in in America then you know this you know I mean you know I mean to me that's what you know, that's what white people do have done in this country and they would like to do it right but um you know even when the skinheads went to Southall Southall is an Asian area right the skinheads went was it Luton well, anyway skinheads went to some try to do some, the BNP which is a racist group a national front group tried to do a march through some Asian area and and even the Asians basically beat them off the street so so, so the point the, the point I'm making is that you know, white people have to do these things on the sly or in numbers or through the back door or through, you know, just chipping away at black people on the edges, you know, beating one of the nine areas of, of people's expectation um, uh, uh, experience rather. So, so, you know, it's, you know, coming through the front door, violence on the streets is, is an easy way. We can beat that. It's, it's the other ways, you know, through the other areas. Um, you know, you know, through the back door, so to speak, that that we're not in this country or anywhere else. To, in my opinion, you, you know, that we're not got covered. You know what I mean? It's easy to, you know, I mean, skinheads and mods that's the, and, and and teddy boys. That's we've, you know, that's been dealt with, and we can see that a mile off. But it's, it's the other ways um, that, that 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 people in here are not vigilant of. Mm, absolutely. Flint water situation comes to mind amongst many other means that whites wage war against black people. Uh, Lorraine, did you want to respond to that uh, in terms of not necessarily if you've seen the film, just if you think it would be possible? Could you see them making a a movie that encourages killing uh, English citizens, uh, even though it's going to be predominantly focused on black people, non-white people or uh, any any other part of the world? Could you see them making a film like that? Yeah, absolutely. They had a film here called, I think it was 28 Days, and that was a zombie film. It's the same thing. It's a purge. Um, and obviously, he's mentioned the word um, uh, about skinheads. Skinheads, it's the same thing. We had lots of films back in the day about skinheads. I think there was a, a show called This Is England. I've never watched it, but it is based on skinheads. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I don't doubt that there was black people involved in that, were they? Have you seen it? Oh, I saw I, this I, is English. I, I saw that. Okay. Were there black people involved in that? I don't know. There's one black person in it. He gets beaten, of course, but it's all the same thing, isn't it? It's a purge. <laughs> so I don't see them having any difficulty in making a film like that over here. In fact, I think they would love it. I really do. Every day is the purge here. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. This if people watch This Is England, in my view, uh, unless my memory is really bad, it's been a few years since I saw it, but I think it is a black male who is friends with a lot of these whites uh, who are white supremacists, and he ends up being savagely beaten. That's like the, near the really, like to conclude the climax of the film uh, is him being savagely beaten uh, by his white pals, uh, unless my memory is bad. Is that is that the film, uh, Andrew? Yeah, I've, I've heard of the film. I can't remember. I can't remember the detail of the film, but I've heard of it. I think I've probably seen it as well. But yes, I, I, all I remember, all I remember of it is that it's about racist white skinheads running around being racist white skinheads. Do you know what I mean? Do, do, doing what they do. I, I, I mean, to be honest, you know, when I was a kid, because we used to go down central London and do body popping and break dance and all that sort of thing. So when I was 40, 13 or fourteen years old, just us as little kids, there were about forty mods behind us, right? This is in this is in central London, Soho, central London, and you know these were big guys, and and they one of them came up to me, elbowed me in the mouth, and then we we, we were little kids, we were there's about three of us, we were just little kids, literally little kids, 
And there was about 40 of them big kids, whatever, you know, and, and you know, big guys, whatever. And, and they, if we had stood up there, they would have kicked us in. So, so this is what you got to understand, right? It's quite hard for possibly for you guys to understand. In this country, on Oxford Street, right, you would be walking down Oxford Street as a black guy and there would be mods and skinheads walking down. If they saw you, you'd have to go in, you'd have to run into a shop. And, and that was in the early 80s in England. Right. So, 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 so that's what these people used to do, you know, and these were mods and skinheads and nobody would stop them. Right. So, so that was happening here, you know, and, and so and so and so you would have to. And then the funny thing is, these mods and skinheads, when the acid house rave scene started in London, that they all started dropping acid and taking drugs, you know, and, 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 and that's what dissolved that as, as, a, as, a, as a white youth culture. They all became they all became. Hip, hippie, they became hippies. Acid I think they became, hippies. I think, I think they became police officers personally. <laughs> Did you hear about yeah, the young yeah. man that was catered to death, the footballer? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, Gus, did you hear about that? I couldn't really hear. Uh, Lorraine, can you repeat, please? Now, I was asking if he has the name of the young man that was tasered to death by the police the other day. I cannot remember his name, but I that was in the newspaper last week. I, yeah, I was can't remember the name Was it Darwin? Did it begin with D? I can't remember either. I'll check on it, and uh, I'll share uh, momentarily. I'm going to check in on it right now to see if I can get it. Uh, well, um, as I read in the newspaper, um, and this is, you've got to remember, this is a premiership footballer. Right, not, you know, not just some unknown. The Premiership footballer, right, got um, got was out, um, was out. Um, he was a bit tipsy or drunk or whatever. Uh, a policeman decided it, it would be a good idea to taser this man three times, right, um, with with how many volts per you know per per, per application, right, and it, and it and it killed him, right, and so um, you know, and, and it's, so you know what you and and what struck me about that is that this was not an unknown black guy you know that you can cover up i mean this is someone who plays football for for a major team in this country week in week out it's, it's almost like lebron james or or or, or some other Ameri- you know american nba player or whatever you know basically just getting shot by the police it's the same thing you, you, you know and that's the thing to to sort of get get your head around you know dalian atkinson uh, is his name dalian atkinson uh, yeah that's right that, yeah. That's it. Yes, the one. Yeah, and uh, that remind. I think we were having. I think it was uh, Bill Roden. He was having this conversation. I'm not sure if I played it on the program, but he uh, used to write for the New York Times until really like a couple days ago, literally. Uh, but he also authored uh, Forty Million Dollar Slave. But he was saying uh, that for if you are a black athlete, regardless of how much money you have or whatever the case, uh, that you might want to keep that jersey on uh, once you leave the court uh, because you might end up in the presence of some whites who don't recognize you or don't know who you are. They forget that you play for whatever team that you're on and you end up just being treated like just another nigger, Uh, particularly if you live in an area, you know, you have a a substantial income so you can live in an area where there aren't too many black people or where black people aren't supposed to be uh, and they see you and, you know, don't, hey, this is not such and such we don't know who this person is you know get out of here and they call the enforcement officers and things can go really uh can go really bad really quickly um yeah the uh the person that called in uh make sure i didn't miss a, a question or whatever the person that 
2648. Did you have a question, uh, observation you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I have a question for the UK callers. Um, I want to ask about the Brexit. I read a couple articles that said that the Brexit thing is a good thing for African people. Now, I want to ask, ask the UK callers, are there any uh, resources being distributed to the um, the African, the black people in UK after the Brexit? Um, sorry, are there any resources being distributed? Yeah. Uh, well, nah, no. I, I, I don't know what they meant about it being a good thing for African people in England. Um, I have no idea what that means. But, um, nah, it's just that, that, that I've not seen, no one's, put it this way, no one's come and given me anything. So, 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 so and, and I don't know, you know, I don't know of any of my friends that's received, you know, received a, a you know, a gift or a box of gifts at, at the front door when they've opened it to go to work. So, um, so, so no, as far as I know, there's been, that, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, um, what, what has happened here, apparently, is that since the pound is worth less against the dollar, since the pound is worth less against other European currencies, what you've had here, you've had loads of, you've, you know, you've had more American tourists come to the UK, you've had more, uh, you know, European, uh, sorry, American and European tourists come to the UK, um, but in terms of, you know, and then, you know, and obviously that's had an impact on, 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 on retail jobs and tourist jobs, you know, jobs in that, those kind of, uh, sectors, you know, cause obviously, you know, if there's more tourists in England then, or in London, then, uh, then that's going to be good for you if you work in, you know, McDonald's in, in, in Trafalgar Square, it's going to be good for you if you work in Wendy's, in Charing Cross. You know, because obviously you've got more Americans coming in. You know, so you're going to get you're going to get an extra shift, right? But I mean, other than that, I've seen I've seen no benefit for African people in this country, black people in this country. Fascinating. I know one of our listeners previously had said, uh, and this was back when the Brexit vote first happened. So this was months ago at this point. Uh, but she was saying that she was hearing reports that it was going to be really bad for black people in the U.S., uh, African-Americans, so they say. It was going to be really bad for us, uh, this Brexit, but um, there weren't too many details, at least, that she was able to share with us at the time, so I said that was something we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, the person that called in, uh, last four digits, 6353, did you have a question or observation you wanted to share? Six three yes, five. hi, hi. Greetings. Yeah, hi, uh, Gus. Greetings, listeners, and um callers my question had to do with the um you're back on the british pound sterling and the value i just heard you say is uh diminished somewhat that's right but that that was a major power white supremacist move to in my opinion to enter the uh, the european union and then uh to exit when they get ready i mean these are serious power moves and i just I uh, was wondering, is the British pound sterling the only currency being used now? And um, uh, I didn't see any real hiccups. In other words, we saw some, some um, bleeps 
economically on the horizon, but they didn't seem to be significant. Just wanted to know how smoothly is it going or has it gone? Did, did, did you want to go first? Um, sorry, yeah, hello? Did, did, did you, did you yes, want to go sir. first on this one? Um, uh, me? Uh, yeah, did you want to go first on this no, one? No, you go first. I'm trying to mute my um, line for some background noise. Uh, all right. Okay, well, we'll put it this way. Um, it's not, it's, Brexit hasn't happened yet, right? Um, you know, what, what's happened is the referendum and the vote in the UK has happened. So, so, so you know, so, so most white people in this country have voted to leave the European Union, right? Um, you know, voted to leave Europe, okay? But there is a two-year um, uh, deadline for this country to actually leave. And that those two years only start when this country, um, when the government of this country um, uh, sends a letter, right, to, um, to, uh, to, 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 you know, to, uh, to the, uh, to the rest of the, to the other European, uh, to the other countries that are in Europe. So a letter's got to go. And from that date, the two years actually start. Now, um, you know, so that's the official, um, uh, uh, procedure. However, um, the other European countries understand that this country, the people in this country, have voted to leave. Right. So what? So what that means for them is that they have started to have meetings without the UK being involved in those meetings. Okay. So has there been any change in this country so far? Yeah, there's been changes. Um, now. The, the, the changes have been that particular um, foreign companies are beginning to reposition. Do you get what I mean? Because obviously, if they know this country is going to leave, then they've got to figure out what, you know, you know, those companies have got to figure out where they're going to be, what they're going to do. So they've started to restructure their businesses. I can't remember what companies have already decided they're going to leave. There's been a mainstream bank that's decided to move its offices. Can't remember which one, but it's a big bank. One, only one so far. Right. But there's been a number of big companies, employers in the UK that have decided to move their businesses out of the UK. Again, I, I, you could find, probably find it online somewhere. But, but so, you know, so, so there's been those decisions and changes in the city, in the financial uh, district. Right. It's had changes. It's had big. Cha it's had big. It's had a big impact because obviously, you know, you know if, if this country is going to start taxing other companies to do business here, then, you know, then those companies are maybe not going to want to do business here. Because you know, so, 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 you've got to remember that, you know, you know that, the, um, that the financial, uh, that, that London was, was a financial uh, uh, um, uh, uh, hub for Europe, simply because the tax was very low, right? But if, if this country is going to be taxing, you know, European companies uh, a lot more money, then are they going to want to stay here? You know, you, you know, and 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 so and so the, and so so that's the big question. It's been good in the short term because obviously, with you know, with a weak pound, it means that you guys can come here on holiday if you if you if if that's something if there's something you want to do if you want to come here on holiday, then you could come here for a lot less money. Do you know what I mean? But for me going to America, which is what I did, I came back I came back from Florida two weeks ago. It cost me it cost me more money. Do you know what I mean? So, 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 so it's bad, you know, so it's bad for people living here in this, if they want to go abroad, good for people if they want to come here, bad if you work for a foreign company, 
if you're in the UK working for a foreign company. Because you, you might, basically, you might not have a job in, in two years' time. Uh, Lorraine, did you want to respond to that question about the, the changes post-Brexit? Uh, well, the conversations have all basically been about the way how things are going to change. I think the change is going to be um, gradual this year. Um, you know, um, I have heard that, you know, there are people that are talking about setting up elsewhere and moving from people from Britain, moving from Europe back to Britain. Um, but I don't think that the major, major changes are going to affect us just as yet, possibly later on in the year. That's all I can really say right now. Right on, right on. I've been seeing a lot of information saying uh, kind of what Lorraine said uh, towards the end there as well, that um, a lot of this, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be like, a, okay, they voted to leave and you're going to see all these immediate things taking place uh, that it's going to be kind of a drawn out thing. I think as Andrew was saying, kind of even a, it could be a year long or two year long process in making all of this happen and these decisions won't have you. So that'll be something we kind of have to keep a, keep an eye on as we proceed. Uh, we have pretty much done our 90 minutes. Uh, did folks have any, anything, uh, quick, concise comment they need to get in before we uh, get ready to wrap things up? knew Andrew had to make sure he got a references to his uh, Disney World visit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, I watched... I was just going to say that I watched the remake, the remake of Roots. Has anybody seen that? I did not see it. Okay. I watched it because somebody had it, and I have to say... You saw it? What are these people trying to do? Honestly, you have to watch it. They've rewritten it using some of the information that um, that was hidden before, you know, showing that historically some of the people um, were Moors. But in the beginning, they're literally highlighting the fact that we sold our own people out into slavery, mm, you know. And that's, you know, that's the main focus of the first part of the um, show. And then it just goes on further. Um, doesn't show... I mean, if slavery was the way that they portrayed it in this show, we could have dealt with that. That wasn't so bad. We got whipped. <laughs> but it was terrorism. It doesn't portray it anything like it was supposed to be portrayed. You know? It's just so annoying. And I hope people watch it. Oh, and by the way, a white woman gets lynched right next to a black man. Hmm. So, watch it. That happens every day, doesn't it? Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, I, I have said before, that was exactly what you said. That's exactly why I did not watch it. Uh, and I wrote about this on my blog, The, the New Roots, why I was not going to watch it. And that even led to my permanent ban on any future slave flicks. Uh, black bondage is not entertainment. I'm not watching any more. Sl I'm not watching the new Nat Turner film. Uh, they have another because then now it seems like they're just making a new slave flick every other day. Uh, there's another one coming out later. Uh, it's uh, The Good Lord Bird, based on a book written by a black male. And uh, it's just tons of these flicks. They just had another one that came out right when Roots came out. It's uh, Freetown of Jonesboro. Uh, they're supposed to be set in Mississippi. I mean, we have 
more than enough slave flicks. We do not need any more movies on the enslavement of black people, and particularly if it's just going to be an opportunity for whites to clown uh, and uh, emphasize what Sue Bird said of the move organization that, you know, you, you niggers did that to yourself. You, you sold yourself into slavery, so you really only have yourself to blame. Uh, Andrew, did you have a comment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of things. First of all, brilliant interview with uh, Sue Africa. <laughs> so, or Sue, just call her Sue. Um, you, you know, um, very good interview. You know, I listened to the whole of that, as well as Blood Brothers as well. Um, what you're doing as well at the moment, Gus, fa- absolutely fantastic. But um, yeah, I've got to say something, though. Um, I was in Washington and, um, as you know, and, um, and Miami as well. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I've got a brother living in Washington, brother living in Miami. And they said one's been in Miami for about 30 years and the other one's just been in Washington for six years. But both of them said that you have... I mean, I knew that America was segregated anyway, and I knew Miami was segregated. And it's interesting that in Blood Brothers, you know, they talk about the segregation to some degree anyway, to a small degree in in Miami, but it's totally segregated. And 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 so you know, driving around where my brother lives, it's a black area, and and it's 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 just you know, it's 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 to get my head around that is 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 um not easy and in washington as well as uh, you know my brother lives in a place called anacosta which is a totally black area as well but i also went to u street i don't know if you've ever been there gus but apparently that was an historic black neighborhood or area and um sorry but um the, the amount of um you, you know it's, uh, it, it pained me to see the amount of black men um, basically just drunk or physically in a physical bad way um, or, or just on the street and, and you know just just uh, you know and, and, and I just thought wow you know in this town that's the capital of this country apparently right then you know to, you know you know to have African people in this way right I mean I just thought to myself you know um, you know uh, no we have to help ourselves you know white people will never ever ever lift a finger to help us and the thing is that area around u street apparently is becoming or has already been gentrified right um no no just and you've got a place called adams morgan there as well which has been gentrified as well but no no it just it's just shocking i just found it terrible man i just thought i just have to say that you know appreciate that commentary i uh i think I obviously I live thousands or I don't know if it's obvious, but I'm in Washington state. So I'm thousands of miles literally from Washington, D.C., the capital. But uh, I have been to D.C. many times. I lived there closer when I was younger. And uh, Washington, D.C., I think is is infamous. It is well known for having uh, very high populations of impoverished black people uh, in Washington, D.C. I know Mr. Fuller and Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, they both. Uh, our resident, long-time residents of Washington, D.C., they have talked about this for years, uh, and particularly the gentrification that you were talking about. That, In fact, a lot of people, uh, their theory in terms of the death of Dr. Francis Cress, uh, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, that that is intimately related to the removal of black Washington, D.C. residents uh, and the battle right. that she was going through with her house uh, and trying to get her out of there and her being one of the final, at least in her particular neighborhood, being one of the final black homeowners uh, in that area. Uh, so, I mean, that is a long running campaign uh, that was in place way before even President Obama uh, was in the White House. Uh, in fact, there's an article, uh, folks check the New York Times, it's, uh, 
uh, it's on the front page of the website. I don't know about the physical paper, but if you go to the New York Times website, there's an article talking about uh, the hyper, what they call segregation, uh, where even black people who do have money, if they have a good job and, you know, whatever, they can own a house, where they still are piled in and they are in an area with a whole lot of black people who don't have money or what have you, where you have that in large parts of the United States. I think that's the case in Wisconsin, where they just had the unrest uh, this past week. Uh, that's just that is a major facet of how the system of white supremacy operates in terms of where they warehouse, where they allow black people to reside, regardless of the amount of coins or what type of job uh, that you have. So, yeah, um, that observation that you had, that is that is America. <laughs> that is the United States, this area of the world, uh, making sure that we keep black people pinned up or restricted to one particular part of town. And we can move them when we feel like it. Even I know Mr. Fuller has talked about consistently that they had riots in certain parts of Washington, D.C. back in 68 when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. And after the buildings were burned and everything, they left it that way for 50 years. Like literally, it was just boarded up vacant lots. And then when whites decided that they wanted to move into that area, then they went in, prettied everything up, booted the black people out, and now it's great. Now they're putting shops and all that stuff in. That, That's right. That is white power. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I want to add, sorry, because uh, it, sh- it was shocking. Um, can you hear me? Don't yes, you can hear me. Yes, but yes, but, but um, my brother drove us down to um, uh, Baltimore. We, we drove down to Baltimore as well. It's not, it's not too far. Mary... Um, uh, I'm sure it's Baltimore. He, he drove us. He, we we went for a drive, and um, uh, there's loads and loads of houses, right, just boarded up, right, and and it, and that was a black area, right, um, and it just made it just made me think. It just made me think. One, how much are those houses going for? Two, who owns them? Three, you see, it's the it's the sort of thing that sorry, the way my mind works, right, um, sort of thing you could buy for cheap, and even if you don't. As a black person, even if you don't move in there right away, I don't be good to fix them up and and, and sort them out. But um, if no one, I don't know who owns them because I was just thinking, you know what, we could buy those houses and just because what I realised, what you know, what if you own the land, right? You know, if you own the houses and own the land, even if you don't do nothing to it right away, it's yours, you know, and um, and and they got to come and wrestle that away from you. Um, I think white people count on black people not to buy property, but to always rent. I'll leave it there. For sure. We will uh, give the final word. Our caller 04, excuse me, 0748, 0748. Did you have, uh, I don't know if it was a, a comment or a question. What did you want to share before we uh, get ready to conclude things? Uh, just two quick points. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, yes. Greetings to Gus, the host, and uh, all the listeners and callers. Uh, I had a quick question. Um, is I keep hearing about this term, uh, social justice warriors, SJW. Have, have you uh, did a show, well, not a whole show, but have you focused on that word being used? Not just really over here, but has anybody ever heard of that word being used in response I, to racism? I've heard the term. Uh, that is kind of a new little revision that they put on it, adding the warriors part on the end. But I certainly have heard the term social justice used and now social justice warriors. That this is applying to an individual. We have not done uh, a program on it. I think uh, 
it would take me some time to go back and dig through back like earlier programs, 2009, 2010, where that did come up, where we had some white guests on who were uh, self-referencing and saying that they that's what they were fighting for. That's what they were about is social justice, where they were asked what that means and even a distinction in terms of why they say social justice instead of just justice. Uh, but it would take me a moment to kind of dig through and pick out exactly which white people got questioned about that. But it was not something we devoted like a whole program to. Okay. Uh, and it was a, it was another part of the audio segment from last night where I think the lady was interviewing the, what was the athlete's name from the Olympics? Dr. John Carlos. Dr. John Carlos. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And she, she asked him a question and he responded. And I thought about her response. It was just a, "Mm, did you remember that? Uh, was it, was it when he asked about, uh, the politics when they were talking about what's political, the Olympics is not political and the national anthem. Is that where she did it? Or was it a different point in the interview? It may, it may have been prior to that. It may have been prior to that. And she didn't, she did. That's the only response she gave. It didn't extend anything other than that. Mm. Like she, like she seemed like she was dissatisfied with what he said, mm-hmm. but didn't give any other commentary to the response. Wow. I have to go back to listen to see to see where it is. It, I think uh, various people, when they were commenting on that segment last night, that was uh, an NPR interview with Dr. John Carlos. He was talking about racism and the Olympics and all. Uh, but I think several people pointed out they felt like there were several points where he made comments that it seemed like the white female who was interviewing him where she did not agree and just didn't respond or just flat out ended the interview at the end when he made the comment about what is political. But yeah, I'd have to go back to listen to, to, to pick out specifically where she gave her mm, response. Yeah. Cause I, I picked up on that as some uh, subtle hostility, but that's to be expected. And that that's all I had for now. And uh, thanks for the, uh, give me the time to speak. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, our global Sunday talk on racism. Uh, we even missed out on a few of our international callers uh, who just had other things happening, but hopefully we'll be able to nab them back in when we get together uh, for September. Uh, I can even put the date on it now, so that'll be September 18th uh, when we'll be on the program. Uh, one week after the 15-year anniversary of 9-11, uh, we'll be doing our global Sunday talk next month. Um, we will be back. Uh, Blood Brothers, since that was mentioned, we'll be doing that. Uh, our book club this coming Friday. I'm trying to get the date to see if we can get the co-author, uh, Professor Randy Roberts, on the program this month. I uh, thought it would be grand to have him on, ask him some direct questions about the text that he put together. Uh, also, I've been trying to call uh, Pastor Gaddy. He was mentioned when we had Antoinette Harrell on the program, talking about the Dozier School in Florida, no less, uh, and the years of abuse that went on against black boys uh, at this school. Uh, Pastor Gaddy he is one of the black males who actually opened up and talked about the sexual abuse that he experienced. You can put that in when people talk about Nate Parker as well, but uh, Pastor Gaddy talked about the sexual ex- abuse that he experienced at the uh, Dozier School, uh, and I'm trying to see if we can get him on the program. Uh, Roz hooked me up with uh, with his book, so just trying to get a date and time nailed for that. You can check the Black Talk Radio site for the updates for the programs that are going to take place. You can also check Facebook as well. Uh, I always have the uh, broadcasts posted 
posted a day before they air, so you can just check there. Uh, you can also hit us on Twitter at Until Justice, or you can drop me an email if you get confused or just need information. You can't find something in the archives. Untiljustice at gmail.com is the email. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Again, we're on Twitter at Until Justice. Uh, big thanks to all of our folks who were able to tune in early. Uh, get their questions, comments in. Great hearing from everyone. Uh, special thanks to all of our international participants. Uh, Lorraine, Andrew, always great hearing from you all. I think it is super important to keep the analysis global. Uh, I think Minister Malcolm, uh, one of the strengths, he had a global understanding of racism, white supremacy. This is not a problem that is isolated to one specific city or a town or one specific area. This is a global problem. It should be talked about, understood as such. It is a global white collective dedicated to terrorizing, maintaining the system of racism, white supremacy throughout the known universe. Uh, keep that in mind at all times. Uh, I will say again, and particularly given what we heard about Mr. Uh, Dalian Atkins, uh, the former uh, football player in the UK who was tased to death by an enforcement official, uh, if the reports, I think Andrew said in some of the reports that some of this was related to alcohol, that he might have been under the influence and police got called, I state consistently it would be best if we can stick to sobriety as long as the system of white supremacy exists. I have just seen way too many instances worldwide where alcohol is not helping us solve this problem at all. If anything, it's making it easier for whites to continue to terrorize and dominate us, uh, especially if you're going to be out and about, uh, particularly if you're going to be in a vehicle, you do not want to be under the influence of anything. Uh, you never know when you could bump into a Daniel Holtzclaw, Darren Wilson, uh, and this is anywhere in the world this could happen. And even if you don't bump into an enforcement official, white person badge or no anywhere in the world is dangerous and can lead to a lethal life ending encounter. Keep that in mind and take it seriously. I will say again, one of the worst combinations in the universe, whites, alcohol. It is always a bad idea Again, 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 sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. That's it. Again, thanks to all our participants. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places, in all areas of people activity, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Context of white supremacy signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. <laughs> I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.